once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air, online, 24-7, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Go to that uh, go to that site and you will find two links. Uh, one of them, the first link, takes you uh, to our podcast feed. Uh, the second takes you to our radio loop, aptly named, because the show is playing in a loop, in a, in a loop, yes, that too, uh, in a loop, much like you would expect uh, well, not much of anything actually be playing in a loop, but but you access it at whatever point it happens to be, and that is uh, reminiscent of how radio was back in the day. So it's like radio, but not because you're still you know pressing a link; it's still digital. But it's more like radio because you pick up the show wherever it happens to be, and bonus. Uh, assuming you're interested enough in it, having picked it up at whatever point being other than the very beginning, uh, just stick around for two or three seconds and the show starts from the beginning all over. There you go. Pick it up. Learn what it was that led up to your interest being peaked in the first place in semi-normal uh, order. Well, whatever. Um... It is now the 30th of May. We are just coming out of Memorial Day weekend. Uh, the weather has been lovely around here. A fleet week happened. Uh, no lack of, uh, of uh, murders and assaults and everything else to talk about. The media has uh, done its what it imagines to be its, uh, its obligatory uh, uh, duty uh, about keeping us in a state of alarm and urgency, uh, I'm sure that if, if, if producers at various cable and other stations were given an assignment to only come up with positive stories, they could, in lieu of who got killed, who got murdered. Um, there is the assumption, of course, in our society at this point that it's far more interesting, or, or maybe perhaps far more significant to know about bad things than good. In other words, good things are, good things are sort of, well, they're factored in. We, 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 can, we don't have to really know about good stuff because, well, you know, it, it's, it's there, it happens. It's not all that interesting. It's nice. But it's not, well, I don't know, maybe we can't, I, we can't expect viewership. We can't expect our viewers or our listeners to really uh, become enthralled with us if all we do is give you the best of what we are. Now, at a minimum, if, 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 if uh, cable and, and, and broadcast and everyone else suddenly began focusing on the good there would be an inevitable uh, relaxing, I, 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 get, I think. I, I don't see how else this would be possible. I, I mean, we're not going, there, we can't run that experiment right this minute. And I, I'm not going to uh, 
pretend that I will sing, that center-left radio single-handedly will begin presenting only good news, and let's see where our listenership goes. With I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to do it. There's just... We're not set up that way right now. We're just not set up culturally. We're not set up. I'm, I'm not set up with a show to do that. But, but just saying, just imagining that maybe, maybe, suddenly everybody for maybe, I, I don't know, we, we, maybe for a day, for a week, whatever it is, there is a decision made to only go with good news for a week, let's say. We're going to have a good news week only. How does that sound? That's it's nice. It's a nice idea. Uh, you would have to have people feeling a lot less uh, concerned. I imagine the initial response might be, well, why are they not telling us the real news? What are, what are our, our trusted broadcasters, our commentators hiding from us? What, what, why are they giving us all this good stuff only? But I, but I also think that after a time, it might become nice, enjoyable. Uh, it, it, it could actually be, begin to inform our emotional state, our psychological state. It might encourage spiritual elements, and I'm not talking religious, I'm talking spiritual elements. We might feel linked more by that which is positive in us than that which is negative and awful. We might be looking <clears throat> at the glass half full as opposed to half empty, uh, which is basically the story of the world that we are that we are presented with on a daily basis. I, I, I bring this up simply because uh, not that not that any news media group is actually doing this, not that not and again, not that center left radio is doing this, but that there was a glimmer of something like this. And, and the glimmer never was in lieu of the undercurrent of negative, negativity, that is always, always, always here. But it came from the least likely of sources. Now, you'd have to be living in a, you know, under a rock and out in the desert in a cave not to know that the United States has been inching its way towards a debt crisis simply because some people seem to think that's a good idea. That, uh, that paying our bills, paying the bills that we've already incurred, uh, a way of dealing with dissatisfaction over some of the things that those bills paid for, or should be paying for, is to basically say, I won't pay them. It would be tantamount to having a, a, a joint credit card between a husband and wife, and the husband, uh, you know, uh, or the wife, well, maybe the, let's, let's turn it around. The wife looks at the husband's purchases. She's the primary breadwinner and says, 
how dare you have gone out and bought all that? I want you to give it back. Well, the husband says, well, I can't. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've consumed most of what I purchased here. This is not something where I can go ahead and cancel. I've purchased it. Well, I'm totally against it, says the wife. And, and since I'm the major breadwinner around, well, well you know what? I'm, I'm not going to pay. You pay for it. Well, I don't have enough on my own. So we, we've always paid for this together. We have, to, we have to combine our... But the bills are there. I mean, the people, we, the people I bought, whether you like what it was or not, the, the, we've, we've purchased stuff, and here come the bills. And you got to pay your bill, because if you don't pay... Well, then, you know, your credit record gets lousy and, and maybe you go into default or maybe, maybe this was a situation where one more, one more late payment and we're going to lose our credit, our credit credibility altogether and we know it's going to raise the cost of our, of, of, of our loan for a new car and we're not going to be able to afford that, blah, blah, blah. Pick, pick any scenario you like. Pick, pick some really super negative result that would come from not paying the bill. And that's basically the position the United States has been placed in by members of the Republican Party. Primarily, there are a few on the ultra fringes of the, uh, of the, of the left, but not enough to be significant in any way, but, but a huge swath led by the so-called uh, totally misnamed Freedom Caucus, uh, basically saying that we want to uh, express our distaste. And, and since we're bomb throwers and, and we are blower uppers and we are destroy it allers and, and, the, and the country's going to hell if we don't deal with all this and this is our last chance to fix America, we want to blow it all up. We're not going to pay our bills unless, and the unless is in the form of basically, uh, we want to promise that you'll never, ever, and you'll, you'll, you'll basically reverse the legislation that we didn't like in the first place, that you'll never uh, pay for anything like this again, that all future payments will be blah, blah, blah. You'll no longer pay for poor people. You'll get rid of any payments uh, that you were doing for, uh, I don't know what, and, you know, there's some culture war issue. Unrealistic, insane stuff that creditors couldn't care less about because creditors simply expect to get paid for money that you, that, or for services that they've provided to you. And the United States, in that regard, becomes like any other debtor. And, and, and that's been the storyline now for weeks, months. That, that the debt ceiling, you know, which has always automatically been raised, well, it's just another place that the, that the crazies on, on the right basically feel that they can go. Why? Because, well, you know, where, where no sane man, where no one has gone before, no, where, where no sane people have gone before, simply because it's a way of bitching and moaning and proving to the red meat base that you can do the wackiest crap possible. You can even threaten the entire financial structure of the country because what we want, what we want, 
in its whole form with no compromise whatsoever. Our needs, what I want, what I absolutely must have is more important than the sanctity of the credit status of the United States. It, and that argument apparently holds weight for a substantial part of the Republican, or maybe it holds weight uh, totally for the Republican base. I'm sure there are other elements within the Republican Party that are rational enough to remember when the very thought of sinking the economy because you were pissed off about something uh, was as unthinkable as it is insane and laughable, but not with this crowd. There, all that matters is how far can you go? And naturally, the, the, the leadership to, or, or, the, or the example that would allow people to th even think along those lines is present in the form of Donald and Donald's sycophants and Donald's followers and Donald's wannabes. You threaten everything on earth. You even go ahead and do bad shit. You separate kids from, from parents at the, at the southern border. You, uh, you basically try to sink NATO. You, you, you do all sorts of weird crap. You, you belly up to, to Vladimir Putin. You, you elevate Putin and his intelligent apparatus over your own. You demean your military. You, you do stuff and you say stuff that no one would have ever, ever imagined doing. Certainly on the Republic, you demean the FBI, you demean the interior protection forces, you demean your local police, you demean the police that were protecting the Capitol on January 6th. You do whatever the hell you need to do to make whatever point you need to make without a care, without a care about what the consequences might be. The only way you can do that, and you're doing it in, in violation of everything you've ever believed as a party up to that point, well, up to, up to the Trumpian era, is by basically uh, disregarding everything about something that Teddy Roosevelt and his administration, the first or second administration, uh, something that became known as, I don't know if he himself used the term, but progressivism. And, and, and we're, not, we're not talking about progressive uh, as, as in terms of being a point on the left part of the political spectrum. We're talking about progressive I think if you've listened to center-left radio long enough, um, you've heard that term from time to time. Progressivism. And it's, it's on our, our website. I'm, I'm, the website, basically, when you go to the homepage, I, I, on occasion I'll go back and I'll do some editing to it, change it. But what has never changed on that homepage is the history of, um, of how center-left radio began with my producer and I. Uh, just as the Trump uh, inauguration was taking place in 2017, in January of 2017, and we met uh, at a local at a local restaurant here, and we decided. Actually, my producer uh, pushed me uh, good and hard and said, "Hey, you've got the ability to do this. Let's." Damn it, let's do it. We need to add our voice. And at that time, it was becoming apparent that there were fewer and fewer 
center-left, center- or left voices that were appearing in the media, on radio, uh, online, any place. It was progressively being taken over, and I use that word ill-advisedly in terms of what I'm talking about right now, but there was a continuous uh, usurpation of the airwaves and the cable networks and, and uh, the online sources, the internet, by far-right groups basically siloing information, much of it absolutely ludicrous, dumb crap, but anger-based, get even, nothing is more important than we get our way, completely antithetical to what whatever the left has said, we're the opposite, that's reality, and, give, and people buying this, most literally buying it, because, well, they, 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 vote, with their, well, they vote with their dial and they vote with their dollars. That's, that's how it was working. Progressivism, in its simplest form, is, is really a very simple concept. What it says is you and I recognize that we are politically different. We, we, we live in a Jeffersonian democracy, which anticipates, it anticipates as, as part of, its, of the structural world within which it finds itself, it, it doesn't attempt to deny that there are differences, sometimes major differences of opinion that people may have about particular topics. And, and, and those differences may be considered political. They, their, their motivation can be from all sorts of things. They, it could be a religious-based uh, uh, consideration. There are, it could be a cultural thing. But ultimately, ultimately, people that are within certain political camps, as it were, develop certain positions, and those positions differ from those in Another political camp. Now, the way we're set up in this country, there are just two major political camps, Republican, Democrat, and there are variables and different flavors within each. But there are, broadly speaking, a series of issues that one side feels one way about and the other side feels another way about. And with, with as I say, all matter, all matter of subtlety and variation within thrown into the mix. Now, what that means that when, but, but, we, but we have two things that, that still must be kept in mind. All of those people, all of those opinions are considered to be valid or, or tolerable within a, within a Jeffersonian, a Madisonian democracy. It's understood that people will have different opinions and that somehow we must still govern even though, given their druthers, one side or the other would go in one or swing far to in one direction or another. The, the entire structural concept of our constitution-based democracy recognizes that people can have pretty different opinions about stuff. But what it also recognizes, what it also demands of everyone is a recognition of the sanctity of the state itself. 
that there are certain, certain actions and activities and certain basic ground rules that must be adhered to that preserve the functionality of the state. That in, in having differences, there are real, there are real normative and, 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 and operative buffer zones that stop us from simply saying, I don't like what you're doing, therefore I'm stopping you and I'm taking over everything. You don't count. Oh, and by the way, I'm a minority in the country, numerically, but doesn't matter, I'm absolutely overruling everything you're gonna do and I don't care if it takes the country down in the process. All that matters is my perspective on things. Now, minus the rules and regulations, the structural components that are set forth in our Constitution and are, and, are re, and are restated in many ways in state constitutions and city constitutions down the line, minus that, one side would simply attempt to impose its will on the other. And, and forget about the norms, forget about the historical precedents, forget about the rules, forget about the rights, forget about the, the, the Bill of Rights, the, forget about the amendments that have been made to our national constitution to guarantee uh, minority rights, uh, to guarantee how the major majority functions, to ensure that we can keep this place going without having to burn it the hell down to the ground every time a large different difference of opinion is out there or a, or a firmly held belief is out there simply because we recognize people are going to have those differences and we can't burn the damn place down every time we have a difference. There's got to be a mechanism for making it work. Back to what we were saying about progressivism. Again, remarkably simple concept. I have a position. You have a position. We have a responsibility to the people of this country as elected leaders to deal with needs of those people, but our differing positions on a particular issue would lead us to take very different approaches on it. What do we do? Do we go and do battle, literally, and the winner take all and the other side is vanquished and we end all, all possible legislative functionality. The executive becomes uh, basically nothing more than the ruler and the king and basically dictates what the will of whatever his will and, and the majority's will is or whoever won that battle. And, and, and when that dictator or that leader is, is overthrown, the next, the next leader will, if, if it happens to be someone who was, is of a different mindset, will go ahead and change everything the prior leader did and simply because you, uh, you can. No, no. Progressivism says we're going to hash this out. We're going to pick a forum in which we hash this out. We're going to make sure that everyone who has a right to be heard on the issue is heard. We're going to fight hard. Oh, we're going to we're going to use every bit of public relations and we're going to and we're going to talk and we're going to and we're going to everybody is going to probably get super hyperbolic and we're going to say that if we don't get this it'll be the end of the world. We're going to we're going to do a lot of talking. 
But in the end, we all recognize, we all recognize in advance that the end product of all this will be compromise. Because without a compromise solution, where everybody gets something, but no one gets everything. Without that, the only other alternative is an absolute winner. There is an absolute victor and an absolute loser. And you cannot sustain a democracy under those circumstances. We anticipate that there will be differences. That's built in. People are different. Every, a democracy is vitalized and constantly revitalized by infusions of new thoughts, different opinions, reflections on how people may see things in different ways. But it must sustain, it must sustain certain ground rules. It must respect its own, the, the imperative of its continued existence. And that existence is based on certain, certain functions that cannot simply be tossed away in the name of, of political grandstanding and anger and, and whatever possible uh, rationale some group, typically a minority extreme, may suddenly come up with for why it's either this or it's not worth having this in the first place because that's what will happen. You'll no longer have a democracy if any group with a strong enough grievance feels that unless my grievance is dealt with in its entirety as I demand it be dealt with, I'm basically burning this place down. This place goes. You see, that's ridiculous. That is the gateway to uh, a dictatorship. That's the gateway to basically um, I, I, fascism. It's the it's, it, is, it is a guaranteed method of destroying a democratic state. It's happened too many times. I'm not going to go through historical uh, precedents and, and why everyone on earth with half a brain should know this already. But just let, let's, let's accept it as, as, for, as, as judicial statement of fact that essentially if, 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 it's, if you begin a winner-take-all attitude towards any governance within a democratic state, the democratic state will very quickly succumb and will not be able to sustain that type of an ongoing assault. Now, progressivism has worked damn well in this country. Uh, the, the, I suppose many people point to the, the best the best of it being during the, the uh, Tip O'Neill, uh, Ronald Reagan era. O'Neill being the Democratic Speaker of the House, Ronald Reagan being the conservative or whatever he was. I, I'm not sure where to place him on the spectrum. Uh, he was an actor. He was, uh, he, he was good at, at, at presenting certain notions about uh, how the world should be and, and how, you know, and, 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 and it, it was in a different era. His big thing, of course, was, you know, uh, taxes were too much and blah, blah, blah. And the great irony, of course, in the Reagan administration that people tend to forget is that taxes went up more under Ronald Reagan than in any other administration before or since. This is a fact. Look it up. 
And this is ultimately recognizing the reality of the world he was in. So I, 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 as much as, as Reagan has been pointed to as the, as the absolute doctrinaire embodiment of ultra-conservatism, and you even say Reaganites, is, uh, Reaganite in, in the same way you would say Trumpian or something, I, I don't know. Um, Reagan, Reagan could actually live in the real world. And, and I, 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 I say this just in, parenthetically that apparently whatever, whatever uh, elements of his ultimate demise, his dementia, and eventually his Alzheimer's may have been apparent, he was able to even then overcome a lot of that in a practical method of governance. I am very, very... Uh, disturbed by what he did with Iran-Contra and all of the illegality that was happening then and how far the law could be best uh, pushed and, and how Congress could be overlooked, et cetera, et cetera. The notion that he would basically break the Constitution in order to make a political point, though, is unthinkable. Reagan would have never done that. No other president would have ever done that. It took a Trumpian mindset, a, a I, my grievances and my anger and my needs are more important than anything. It takes, in essence, it takes a, a two-year-old, well, let's, let's be generous, a, a five-year-old mindset to basically say that I'll tear it all down and I'm not even going to bother understanding what it is I'm tearing down. I don't care if I understand how the country works or not. This basically, I'm willing to tear it down if I don't get what I want, and you should like me more and really worship me and feel great about me all the more because I'm willing to do so, and it gives you a feeling of power that you can express your deepest grievances without any consideration whatsoever for the consequences. Wow, isn't it great that we can all be five years old together? And up until about... Four or five days ago, I was like most, <clears throat> most progressive types. And again, I'm now using progressive in the political sense, but, but still also one who would be uh, amenable and, and understands the necessity of, of the progressivism methodology of government, not just the ideology. I would have never imagined that there was any room anywhere in the Republican Party, the current Republican Party, certainly in the House, for give on this position of we want to blow it all up because we don't like where it's going. The, the, the irrational position on the debt that just like, you know, the money's been spent, the husband and wife who, who basically can't agree on paying the bills, well, screw it, we're just going to blow the whole place up because we can't agree on paying the bills and the creditors are going to come down and everything. And of course, if you translated that into America, uh, you begin screwing with our credit, you begin screwing with the value of the dollar, you begin screwing with all kinds of economic issues, you begin screwing with, with everything you can imagine in terms of our relationships, our foreign relationships. It becomes the biggest mess you can possibly imagine. And there's no logic to it. It's, it's a purely emotional thing, but in a purely emotional world, where, where at least for the, where the politics of emotionality, of grievance, basically has been given vent, where minority grievances are allowed to basically overtake all else because only the minority is crazy enough to want to burn the place down. 
and you have to keep dealing with them. You have to keep looking at them as this crazy, obstreperous bunch of little children. Only there can this can this approach be there? And that's what it looked like. That's what it looked like, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans. It looked like that's where they were going until a few days back when suddenly McCarthy and, and Biden began announcing that they had a tacit agreement on solving this budget issue. Not that there should have ever been a problem. You don't, you don't argue over bills that you've already incurred. You, you could talk about the future, you could talk about your future budget, what you will pay, what you will spend money on in the future. That's a totally separate issue. And it's there. And it winds up that in this agreement, basically as a condition of raising uh, the debt ceiling to pay for already incurred bills, using that as leverage as it should never be used, but as a condition of that, and recognizing the political difficulties that McCarthy is facing, there were certain agreements made by the Biden administration, I think relative to work-related programs for people who are receiving government assistance. Uh, there were a few other things that were in there. There were a few, no way we're going to touch, there were, there were a bunch of no way in hell we're going to undo uh, what we did in the legislation the first two years of my term before the Republicans took over the House. That stuff became sacrosanct. But there, were, there was agreement. They found a way to move forward. Now, now McCarthy, again, and McCarthy has, and this was the part that, that really threw, blew me away, Yesterday, uh, McCarthy, in a in in sort of in response to questions on air from reporters, on camera, went way out of his way. In McCarthy's case, way out of his way, to praise the professionalism and the thoughtfulness of the team of negotiators that represented the White House in the negotiations that ultimately reached this tacit agreement. That is something I never imagined hearing in a billion trillion years out of Kevin McCarthy's mouth. But essentially he was he was forced into it. He, he had two choices, Kevin, poor Kevin. Kevin, who it took 15 votes to make the speaker. Kevin, who so des desperately wanted the speakership that, uh, as Matt Gates said later on, after all of that had happened, there was nothing else for him to give away in order to procure the final votes that he needed. He gave away everything. So he began his tenure as Speaker of the House in probably the most vulnerable position of any speaker in, in modern history or in memory. That Kevin McCarthy praised the White House. That Kevin, the same Kevin McCarthy who gave any member of the Republican caucus within the House of Representatives the right to begin a motion for his removal and impeachment in the event they didn't like the job he was doing. That would mean, from a practical perspective, that any one of the wackos, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gates, all of these nutjobs, the, you know, the, 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 the Johnsons, everybody, 
all of the loonies, many of them heads of committees, because that was part of the deal. You had to, you had to put the, the, the loonies in charge of the asylum. But any one of those people who at a drop of a hat probably, you know, emotionally are prepared to do it in the drop of a hat, any one of those people could now turn around and kick him out or, or make a motion to kick him out of his position and it would automatically trigger a new vote for a new speaker. Instantly, now, whether or not whether or not uh, McCarthy, I forget how they've set up the rules. Every, every um, the way it works with, with, our, with every Congress, the two-year Congresses that we have in this country, uh, the, the majority party gets to sit, set a lot of the ground rules, among them being the how, um, how someone like, how a position like the speaker, uh, speakership uh, is sustained, maintained, how it could be ended, what would happen in the event of a vacancy, et cetera, et cetera. Among those rules uh, inc are included how you can get rid of a speaker. And this has been done in the past. It's not a new thing, but it hasn't been done in a while. And part of their rules, one of the things that, that Kevin gave away during, uh, for one of the 15 rounds of votes, the 14 that he lost, but he finally won on the 15th, one of the things he had to give away was the right of anyone in the caucus, in the Republican caucus, to basically call for his removal, and it would instantly trigger a new election for a new speaker. Knowing that, knowing that, he went ahead and went out of his way to praise the White House. By implication, praise the president. Praise Joe Biden. Kevin McCarthy praising Joe Biden and his team for their professionalism in the way they dealt with the debt crisis negotiations that have resulted in a tacit agreement right now, which still has to be voted on. Be beyond good sportsmanship and, and remarkable, unanticipated evidence of a progressive, of progressivism basically being injected into the process. More than all that, I also get this sense that McCarthy sort of woke up one day and looked around at these wacky, uh, untouchable, detestable, awful libs and suddenly realized that he was dealing with a bunch of people so much more rational than the people that he had to deal with in order to get his speakership, that, that the whole sense of civility and rationality was so attractive and so might I use the word calming, so, so professional, so, so befitting the status of the greatest allegedly democracy on the planet that he just couldn't stop himself, couldn't hold back from saying, damn it, these guys are good. He, he, he couldn't say, I really agree with their positions. I, I really think that the Democrats and the liberals basically have far better positions on issues than we do. But he may as well have said that. Because in essence, what he really, really, really said was, we are, I am dealing with, I am the leader of 
I sold, I sold the farm, I sold my soul to be the leader of a bunch of children. And, and what I've been dealing with with these Democrats is so refreshing and so professional. Oh my God, if only it could be that way all the time with my own caucus. Don't doubt for a second that that is what Marjorie Taylor Greene heard. Don't doubt for a second it's what Matt Gates heard. It's what uh, Ron Johnson, all of those people basically heard, they're hearing, and they're hearing a total turncoat, a total blah, 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 blah. Well, they're on air, they're raising funds, they're, they're doing fundraisers, they're all over the internet. This is destroying it. This is going to destroy No way in hell we're going to blah, 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 blah. We're going to tear it down, blah, 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 blah. And at the same time, McCarthy is out there working the votes, and he feels, and apparently, I, I, I gather that uh, the the the, Democ the minority leader feels that there is and there are a sufficient number of votes to be gotten other than extremes, primarily the extremes of the Republican Party, to pass this thing in the House, and the Senate seems to feel the same way, that this should be uh, all taken care of before the so-called June 5th deadline. But understand that what McCarthy is doing here is, is basically realizing, he, he is recognizing that no matter how much he had to, had to give in, in order to get the speakership, there was a point at which bowing to, caving to the extremes within the Republican Party became untenable, and he had to make a choice. Either we follow progressivism, the thing that has basically allowed us to function as a democracy since the beginning of the 20th century, arguably. I mean, it was there in some forms before then. But that, that has been openly discussed, that has been discussed as a mechanism, recognized as, a, as an extant mechanism since the beginning of the 20th century, 125 years or so, whatever. Either I go with that <clears throat> or I will have no place but to, uh, no choice but to be the leader that basically burned the shop down. If you did not come to a conclusion, if you didn't come to a deal, and it all rested on McCarthy's shoulders to do this, if you don't come to a deal, you burn the house down. You basically stop our democratic structure. You can't not pay your bills and expect this place, because, because it will be, it will be a it will be a, a domino effect. There, there will be a chain reaction. And if you can go that far and not pay the bills of the republic, then there's really no limit to how far you can go. This was, this was the real, real test. The first real test of his leadership. Up to now, it's been all pandering. Just give them whatever they want, blah, blah, blah. This was the first test. And, and, the, and the jury is still out on what price, if any, he will pay, or who's going to blink first, 
or or who's going to uh, who will basically be the first to to make a motion to set his speakership aside and and that may still happen once the vote is taken once the debt ceiling is raised once we move uh, towards some level of rationality once again whatever passes for rationality in the current governance system of course you still have the presidential politics and the presidential election ahead it blah all that you know it's that's still all there but this this immediate crisis will have been passed and how will the republicans the, the, the crazies in the House deal with it. How will the Freedom Caucus, the, the Looney Tunes, will they feel obligated to show the base that there is a price to pay for disloyalty? Will they reflexively, as a group, get together and put in a petition for removal of McCarthy and force another election, basically bringing everything in the House to a, to a standstill, effectively, while a new speaker is chosen. In fact, I don't, I, no, I, I say that, but I'm not even sure what the practical implications of that are in terms of, of how it would affect the operations of the House. But, but this is what they're faced with. Will we basically say we should burn, we'll, we'll do the next best thing. We can't burn the House down completely but we could sure as hell throw a monkey wrench into its operations. We can prove that we are the antithesis of governing and governance and rationality and recognition of the structural minimum requirements to sustain this Jeffersonian democracy. We can, we can do something nasty and mean and dumb and totally emotional and totally five-year-oldish to prove that we are basically nothing but a bunch of little kids who wanted our way or the highway. Are you with us, base? And, and that'll be the question. How far will, will, will there be a, will there be a bleed off? Will, will this type of action basically, is it a recruitment tool and bringing more otherwise moderate Republicans online with the base? Will they be able to yell, scream, bitch, moan, how dare we keep the country going? Will that be a way of recruiting more crazies? Or will it basically result in a gradual bleed-off of the crazies? Will it be the first step towards a little more rationality, towards an actual willingness to govern rather than to basically impose? Will it be, will it be the beginning of the breaking of the fever, of the Trumpian fever. And, and how will that play? How will Donald, Donald has already said that he would let the country go into bankruptcy and go into default. How does that play into the Republican presidential politics going forward? How does a DeSantis play off of that? How does a Nikki Haley play off of that? How does a, a, a Scott from Florida, how does that play off? What will Chris Christie do? Keep an eye on him when he jumps in. 
and starts talking about being rational. You know, Chris Christie, the guy who was the deer in headlights standing next to Trump uh, way back when, a million years ago, listening to Trump yell and scream and bitch and moan about losing or winning or whatever the hell it was, and finally understood once, once the tire marks were completely all over his head and body and every place else, basically realized, no, this guy's a nut. And he started becoming Chris Christie again. Basically, he became the guy who was the governor of New Jersey. He, he started acting like himself. And I think there's a place for him within the Republican ranks. That it's, it's tough, rational. Yes, it's, 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 it's political. Yes, there's an ideology. And yes, he's got a lot of baggage. But I think that he would be refreshing at this point within the Republican Party. There's something, there's something to be said for the possibility of it. I see, this is just, again, here's my commentary on this. I see once this has happened, once the debt ceiling has been reached, and there's actually a, an uns, a, a very quiet sigh of relief, even among the total crazies, but they're still crazy. I see the capacity for craziness being diminished because this was the big kahuna. This is, we could take it all down with this one. We could end it all. We could finally end this damn country and, and show them, whoever them is, what happens when you don't give us every goddamn little thing that we want because we're going to stamp our feet and, and pound our feet and we're not going to eat and we're going to hold our breath and we're going to just yell and scream and jump up and down and, 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 and throw things at the other kids. Well, it didn't work. Or hopefully it won't work. And I think it's a first step. And I don't know how it's going to play out exactly. But I do know, I, I just sense perhaps you do as well, that this is going to have an effect going forward. It's a big deal. Being, I mean, not that being rational and, and, and doing rational things should be ever a big deal for people who are, who are tasked with representing us and running our government and keeping the place in order. But in the era of Trump, it is and will be a big deal. How big a deal, what the ultimate impact is, I don't know. But I'm going to be very curious and very, very attentive to the results of this and the reactions to it and to how this affects the base. How uh, does, it, does it recruit or does it push people out? Does it make people recognize either, the, either for, for recognition of the futility of the position of being burned it all down or to recognize the undesirability, the inappropriateness of that kind of irrationality? Does it reduce the base? Might it swell it? Might it for the time being keep it the same? Will it add another dimension of, dare I use the word, thought to the base's activities? Don't know but I'd be damned, I would be shocked if it had no impact whatsoever. This will be impactful. Something will come of all this. And let me not, let me hasten to add, it's a positive thing. This is, this is obviously a positive result. My God, something 
positive in the middle of all of this insanity? Something good to report? Who knows? This might ruin this might ruin cable news forever. We're talking about something positive. Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden agree. And Kevin McCarthy has complimented Joe Biden. You know, Joe Biden, the guy who's been talking about uh, working across the aisle forever, forever, and has done it as well, and is on the verge of proving it once again that it not only can be done, but it's necessary. And there are good things that can come from it. I don't know what's going to happen. I know that this is a good thing. Not sinking the country is a good thing. But what this does within Republican politics, stay tuned. <laughs> oh, and while you're doing that, uh, enjoy a little more jazz. Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. 
and we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial progressive programming, and we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can. On a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, Thank you. You've been listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. Yes, yes, the Republican brand is all fire and brimstone and crazy and nuts, and we'll do anything, we'll destroy everything. But here, when the first real, real test came up, Kevin McCarthy basically has responded rationally. He has not automatically said, let the country go to hell. This will have repercussions within the Republican Party. Good ones, perhaps? 